Hi, I'm Andrew J. Boyle. Welcome to North by Norway. I live in a part of Fredrikstad called Unsø. The word Unsø means Odin's Ey, that is to say, Odin's Island. It is a rural coastal region with, as the Odin name suggests, deep, deep history. On the first Sunday of Advent every year, the local choir invites the people of Unsø to come together and mark the start of the run-up to the Christmas season. From Frederikstad, you drive out along a dimly lit country road towards the coast, passing through rolling fields with their stubble sticking through the snow, and above you, constellations seem to prick the frosty air, which is often down to five or ten degrees below freezing. Then you round one long bend in the dark road and see, like a tiny castle on the hill, the green steeple and whitewashed walls of Unse Church, brightly illuminated by floodlights. It stands pretty much alone in an area of farmland and forest. For ten years, up to 2020, I was the choirmaster of that local choir, and it therefore fell upon me to ensure that when the lights of the nave were turned off and the audience relaxed in their pews, lit only by the hundred flickering flames of the candelabra, then they would snuggle closer together, feel the warmth of community again, and most of all would rediscover the emotional pull of Christmas music. For instance, the lovely carol De Lyser is still a grander. Lights are being lit in the quiet houses tonight. The choir is Vestbygda Blanakur. We can call it in English Vestbygda Voices. Vestbygda is an umbrella name for the western villages of Unse. It's a mixed choir of about 50 voices. Nurses, fishermen, farmers, used car salesmen, carpenters, nurses, municipal managers, kindergarten teachers. And did I mention nurses? And the carols you can hear on this podcast 
are sung by the choir. I remember one Advent concert as I walked from my car to the church, saw the deep snow in the churchyard, saw the falling snow in the lamplight over the car park. I pitied anyone who did not have a choir to go to that night. The warmth of music, the warmth of friendship. In the middle of winter, when the life force outside is at its lowest ebb, in there with song, we can celebrate that the life force is strong and resilient. We live in a technological and hectic world, a world that in many ways has become less human, full of huge TV sets, massive cars, consumer goods. But at Christmas, something strange happens. At Christmas, people seek out a place where they will get to hear a choir sing. It's something that flies in the face of pretty much everything else we do. So my question is, why? Well, the best answer I could come up with was this. Christmas is the time to value deep, intimate human relations, and no music brings you closer to those deep, intimate feelings than traditional choral music. There were about 250 people at the Advent concerts, and many came a few minutes early so that they could go into the graveyard beyond the church and light a candle lantern at the grave of someone they loved. So, the concert we presented, the Unse audience, was pretty light on uh, jingling bells, a Santa baby, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, or any spin-offs of American happy-clappy gospel songs. They all have their place in the festive season in one way or another, but for my Advent programme... I try to always spin an aura of timelessness and reflection. Candlelight carol concerts are just so atmospheric and compelling. In English-speaking countries, there is a widespread tradition at Christmas concerts of rounding off the evening with O come, all ye faithful. At every Christmas concert in Norway, and also in Denmark, incidentally, this same role is given to a hymn called Daily Ajuden, which can be translated as How Lovely is the World. And the second verse begins Tider skal komme, Tider skal hen rulle, Slekt skal fulle slekters gang. Times will come, times will fade away, one generation following another. I love those Advent and Christmas songs that are intended to resound in a building devoted to just this, the continuity of generations. And are songs sung by the passing members in that continuity? At this season of the year, those old songs put you in contact with humans as they have been at midwinter, struggling with daunting temperatures, with the need for fuel and sustenance, 
maybe even for meaning and motivation, but coping thanks to the bonds of community and family. You'll find details about the songs included on this podcast on my webpage, andrewjboyle.com. If you take the music out of Christmas for me, there would be a huge hole. Music seems to not only be a symbol of what Christmas is about, but actually seems to carry a good deal of the emotional heft we feel at this time of the year. For me... I was about 13 when I became aware of the weave that entwined Christmas and music tightly together. And back then it wasn't choral music, as much as the sound of a brass band playing Christmas hymns. My family is Scottish, and I was born in Glasgow. But much of my childhood was spent in the north of England, in the old cotton mill town of Bolton. I played trombone in the brass band that was attached to an industrial complex of mills grouped around a valley stream to the north of the town. This was Eagley Mills. By the time I was living in the area, cotton spinning was in terminal decline due to cheaper production abroad. Also at the Eagley Mills, the future looked bleak. People were being laid off all the time. But just then there were still 600 employees turning out thread for sewing. Early on Christmas morning, the brass band had a tradition that went back over a hundred years. The band would meet up at eight o'clock. Many of us had only gotten to bed about three o'clock after midnight mass and opening presents on coming home from church. But here we were again, stung awake by the frost, standing with coat collars turned up, stamping our feet at one of the select street corners where most people would hear the music. Absolutely nobody else was stirring. And then our principal cornet counted us in and into the cold, quiet air, with frosty steam rising from our breaths, we would send the harmonies of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the First Noel, and it came upon the midnight clear. It was a pure sound, a silvery, mellow music that carried on the still morning, a song of community and tradition and fellowship. As we played, people would come out to listen, and some would offer mince pies or even a small financial contribution for the upkeep of the band. After a round of carols, 
we would move on to the next junction of village streets. Now, the first time I met up for the Christmas carols, I had a problem in common with the other lads my age. My trombone slide and their cornet valves would freeze up in the biting cold and quite simply stop moving. It was an issue that didn't affect the instruments of the men in the band, only us boys. Quite a mystery. To resolve the problem, I would swap instruments with one of the men for a carol or two, and after he had played it for a few minutes, my trombone would be working again as before. After a cold hour or so, we moved on to the highlight of the morning. The big house. We knocked at the huge oak door of the mill owner's home, which to my young eyes looked like a mansion, and the whole band traipsed into a high hallway and stood by a gigantic Christmas tree. After a couple of carols we were beginning to thaw out again, and that was when the trays were sent round with small glasses of sherry. Yes, even for us young lads. I think it was the first alcohol I'd ever drunk. Lovely, sweet and golden. I felt the warmth spreading to my fingertips and toes. And almost by magic, for the last hour of playing outside on the street again, my trombone slide never froze up again once. I'd solved one of the mysteries of adult life. How to keep a brass instrument lubricated. Just a couple of years later... Eagley Mills closed down with the loss of all jobs. Today the historic mill buildings have been converted into desirable flats. Much more than for instrumentalists, for choral singers, their conductor is as much their counsellor and psychologist as their musical leader. He or she has to be. You have to offer an all-round pastoral care and be there as much as you can with emotional and spiritual support. For amateur singers, just standing and singing in front of the rest of the choir never mind a packed church, is daunting. Of course it is. It is a blaze of self-exposure. For them to not only sing, but to sing well, to excel, they have to be persuaded over time to put enormous 
confidence in their conductor. I had to persuade my singers to put aside inhibitions about being untrained, insecurities about revealing emotions. This is the work of every choir master with every choir. And then the jubilation they received from their audience was such a deeply gratifying reward for their effort. I'm sitting here looking at a photo of the choir. Attached to each and every phase I have memories of ups and downs they went through in their lives, and also my own ups and downs to coax from each one of them the best singing they could achieve. What a privilege that is, and fairly uncommon in modern adult life, to make music together as adults in something so unfettered and communal. I have to mention a, a couple of names. Beside me at the centre of the photo is my accompanist, Sven Popper, one of the most extraordinary musicians I've had the pleasure of knowing. When he's not teaching, he's off playing keyboard with one of Norway's wildest rock bands, Ricochets. And when I signed off after ten years at the helm, Sven was the perfect man to take over as choirmaster. And then there's Tommy. He's a bear of a man who works for the Air Force, maintaining equipment at the local helicopter base. There are two things about Tommy that are hidden under the bonnet, so to speak. One is that he has a tenor voice of gold. One says, own Jussi Bjerling. But the other is that he is a sensitive spirit. And in the weeks before the Advent concert, that voice has to be kept away from chills and draughts it has to be coaxed and cotton-wooled. And then, as you'll hear a little later, if all the auguries are favourable, Tommy has the talent to steal the show. At my last rehearsal with the choir, I read for them a few lines by the Yorkshire novelist Matt Haig. He has written this. Music doesn't get in. Music is already in. Music simply uncovers what is there, makes you feel emotions that you didn't necessarily know you had inside you, and runs around waking them all up. A rebirth of sorts. And to me, that is also why Christmas music is so potent. Because it is music that feels as if it has been there inside you always. It has run through a generation or two or more. You only hear it maybe once a year, but when you do, there is often a rebirth of sorts. The wakening of those bonds of family and fellowship that have brought together people before you and will bring together people after. Tider skal komme. Tider skal henrulle. 
times will come and times will fade away. I'm going to finish this little podcast with a few minutes of Vestvigda Blanakord singing O Holy Night in the Swedish version known all across Scandinavia as O Helga Nat. It is sung in Swedish also in Norway because of, well, because it was Jussi Björling who made it so popular. And here is Unse's own Jussi, Tommy Johansson, to sing it with the Vestvigda voices, with Sven Popper at the piano. Have a timeless Christmas.
Next time, the wild hunt of winter and other New Year superstitions. But for now, tusen tack för att du hörte på. Thanks for listening. And if you like the cool north, tell all your cool friends! <laughs>